Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I'm your host today for this podcast going out on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox, Podcast Addicts and iTunes or wherever it is that is your preferred podcast platform. Thank you so much for joining us today, tomorrow or whenever it is you've decided to tune in to episode two of season six. Today, my guests on the show include an American living in the west coast of Ireland, a poet in Finland sharing poems about Scotland, a Waterford writer who, according to the title of her debut collection, was raised among vultures, a poet in Massachusetts who's also the managing editor of Slate Roof Press and a Dubliner, bringing us poems from his 2021 collection, The Singing Hollow. Yes, Here, as always, on Eat the Storms, where you're bringing you a diverse selection of poets, accents, localities, and certainly topics. So all that's left for me to do is tell you to put the phone down, turn off the TV, and for the next hour, be swept away by this weekend's sensational stars. This is Eat the Storms, and I hope you enjoy the show. For my first guest today on the show, we are heading over to that beloved section of the west coast of Ireland called Connemara for an American poet who has found root over there. She is the author of three chapbooks, including the most recent winner of the Fool for Poetry chapbook competition called Corona, Connemara and Half a Crown. She has had work in various places, including Poetry Ireland Review, 14 magazine, Cranogue, One Hand Clapping, along with being one of the featured artists in the recent Daedalus Press anthology, Local Wonders. With a master's in creative writing from the University of Washington, she has been an artist in residence in 2021 in Bridget's Garden in County Galway and has also been a recipient of the Arts Council of Ireland Agility Award. It is with enormous pleasure that I hand you over to the excellent writer, Jamie O'Halloran. Hello, this is Jamie O'Halloran reading for you from Connemara in the west of Ireland. Thank you, Damien, for this brilliant, bloody poetic podcast with its rich diversity of voices. It's an honour and a pleasure to participate. I will be reading poems from my chapbook, Corona, Connemara, and Half a Crown. Corona and crown refer to the sonnet form. A crown is a linked sequence of sonnets in which the second poem begins with the final line of the first, and so on until the 14th poem ends with the first line of the first poem. In these poems, Corona also alludes to COVID as the poems were written during the lockdown of January 2021. Here are the first two poems of Corona Connemara. One, if it weren't for the cold, the short days, one might not guess it is winter. All seems green, hedges and fields, even the leafless limbs of beech wear green lichen gloves. 
spears of crocus and narcissus poke through unfrozen soil. Each morning, as the sunrise creeps back, I check for the latest risen congregations of stiff foliage where blossoms will open like choristers. Closing in on my first full round of seasons in this new place, I still learn what grows, when, and where. Blankets of alder leaves feed the meadow. Wild carrot will tail hyacinth and bluebells. This year of grief isn't ending, but brightening. Two. This year of grief isn't ending, but brightening with its earlier sun and later moon. We drove to the bends last evening. The sight of them sifted with the morning snow, the last we'd catch until this next lockdown is lifted. We'll trace our local loop, learning the hedge by heart. We caught the best a day could bring, with a shower ending as the sun was settling deep into Connemara, a rainbow arched across the all of Mam Valley Bog. Holiday closures will stay this month, tight as a bud, while the snowdrops ring their shy white bells. By February, March, we may get the jab. If nothing else, sons of Narcissus will nod, cradling the lights we lost. I'm going to move now to the second sequence of the Half a Crown. I'm going to read the first poem in that sequence and then the final one, which closes the chapbook. These poems have titles, not just numbers. The first is St. Bridget's Eve, which is the 31st of January. St. Bridget's Eve. What is bright today are maize-colored ribbons of witch hazel blossoms streaming against the oyster sky. At the church, we set three wicks to flame at Our Lady's alabaster feet, setting prayers off for the friend in stage four we'll Zoom with next week. I'll point my phone to show him the snowdrops and sweet box. I'll want to see if, as usual, he has wintered their kitchen into a hothouse of paper whites. Nothing is usual. He'll talk about women's basketball, which composer pulls him deeper. And when the talk turns to his wife, their sons, their babies, our smiles will struggle to witness light, the old one that flowers even in the dark. This final poem is called Beltana, which is the Celtic summer. Beltana. Rest my head on a sun-wrapped pillow tonight to coax an easy sleep. The fresh breeze does the drying when the air is still cool. Fixing pegs on the line requires so little movement. Blue tits pecking at the feeder aren't bothered. A birder says it's not that robins bear affection for us, 
but that we present no outright threat. Our harm filters to them through the slaughtered hedgerow, ridding their wild of food and shelter. What we take for beauty in their singing is a fierce claim, warning to enemies and rivals, not courting ballads. The pheasant's rusty shriek turns the lock of summer, not the cuckoo's kaman of his name. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Thank you again, Damien, and uh, good poetry to everyone. From the west coast of Ireland now, we are heading north and over to Finland for a poet, creative writing tutor and editor who will be sharing poems from her upcoming Hedgehog Poetry Press collection called Pockets Full of Rain, inspired by her 20 years living in Scotland. Now, this is not her first time on the Ease the Storms podcast because she read with us for our very special episode last season when we were launching the Storms, our new journal of poetry, prose and visual arts and its inaugural issue. She joined us to share her poem on the Ardmanurkin coast, so it is a pleasure and an honour to have her back again today. She is also the author of the collection Post Holiday Blues, which was published by Flambard Press in the United Kingdom and has had poems appearing not just in Storm's Journal, but also in A New Ulster, The Remnant Archive and her poem Lithery Gothic appeared in Edinburgh, an Intimate City Anthology. But right now, taking us over to Scotland, this is the incredible Jerry Stewart. Thank you, Damien, for asking me to join the Eat the Storms podcast. It is a pleasure and a real honour. I am Jerry Stewart, and the poems I will read are from my collection Pockets Full of Rain, which is due to come out with Hedgehog Poetry Press. The collection is based around Scotland, where I lived for 20 years, first as a university student and eventually as a mother, until my family moved to Finland in 2010. This is the opening poem. I can't give you directions to where I want to go. We are coming from different places, and the turns and tangles I am following to return will take you out of your way. You never had much patience for detours. The place I remember no longer exists. It's moved out with time, as have I, both grey and bedraggled. You can see I never left it behind. Carrying with me wee trinkets, time machines that allow me to revisit. Out of place in everyday life, I doubt they'd work for you. A land of true contrast, I miss its split personality. Too much like my own, you'd probably say. Maybe you wouldn't find the same comfort in the silence of its hills, or see the jokes in the city's graffiti but it's worth taking the time to grub beneath our surface. If you listen closely, our voice is at once rough, garbled, and sweetly easing on the mind. It was never mine, but I call it home. (laughs) 
The poems in the collection look at my life in Scotland through its people, its history, and especially through its places. This one is based in Edinburgh. Literary Gothic. Broken earth at Arthur's seat exposes the city's stone soul. The old town is captured behind iron railings and tangled tails, the perfect setting for a horror story. Blend the rattle of bones with ink, grinding blood into paper fibers. Each turned page is a dead end. Footsteps follow you up empty streets. Your heartbeat deafens as night pulls in its wings and fog slithers down onto the high street. Ghosts rise and stand pale among the rows of black-faced houses. You are no longer alone. Hyde and Begbie lurk in a shadowed doorway. Burke and Hare await your final steps. Rebus is warm in a lock-in at the ox. No help to you when confronted by an overcoated figure in an alleyway. The whiskey burns in your throat as you wait for the next victim. You secretly delight in the fate of the weak, caught in the city's icy tentacles. Your dark half throws off its mask for one night to roam the streets in search of illicit pleasures. The thrill of the chase down narrow closes tastes bitter in the villain's defeat. In the last chapter, amidst the loose ends, you slip like an unsuspected thief from the scene of the crime. The collection also looks at important events in recent Scottish history, such as devolution and the independence referendum in 2014. In this poem, I'm watching the run-up to the referendum from Finland. Skeins. We are driftwood-born, myth-speckled, clinging to our shell like barnacle geese, a map of the north embedded in our hollow bones. Launching ourselves into the unknown, pinioned between two shores, we seek a home. Our migration never feels complete. Instinct pulls us back as the winds herald a change, growing stronger with the seasons. I avoid counting the days, the decision out of my hands. We watch, our voices faint with hope. Soft wool stitches falling row upon row. Apples ripen, I nest, baking warmth into the house with soft spice and cream. Dissonance across the sea haunts me, their ghosted song as they sail forth. The year unravels. One of the hardest parts about being away is returning, facing reality when you've been clinging to your memories of a place. The title of this poem is a nickname for the city of Glasgow. Dear Green Place. Cranes are my first milestone for return. Iron necks poised in still reflection over the river Clyde, talismans that anchor my straying thoughts to the current. Helsinki is still too rigid and real, with its scrubbed clean lines. Eyes closed, I can hear Glasgow, my soft city's hard voice. I miss you, your cobbles and scars, truths beneath the storm, the comfort of grey stone.
I don't pretend you are faultless. Graffitied and littered, crumbling torn, harsh laughter echoing from your darkest corners. You stroke my face with your gentle winter light, whispering promises you cannot keep. I forgive your sins and listen to hollow time trickling over my fingers. After the COVID restrictions were lifted this year, I returned to Scotland and revisited the islands of Lewis and Harris. Always the wind. The wind hurries the ferry along, tossing me into the island's blue lap after 30 years. I curry down amongst the stones of Kalanish, an expectation of sun on twisted nice, to catch their dancing above the drowned landscape. The grass ripples and sings to gorse exclamations, walk to slow the hours, the solstice spinning away. And always the wind and the tide crashes as I look for a pony, a wave on the turquoise beach, a sea pink nodding amidst the sand dunes. The wind whines and rants, scrabbles at the open hostile windows. I sink into the tweed thoughts dunked in tea, gleaning tufts of dreams from the moors to endure future storms. When the wind pauses, the silk silence stretches over the loch. A black sleeked head breaks the reflected sunset. Nose to clouds, the seal watches me until I notice and then dips away. The wind snores through the night like an old man on his back. We curl up with a blanket of peat-filled stories to keep us warm. Thank you. Now taking leave from Finland, we are coming back to Ireland and this time settling down in my own hometown of Dublin for a teacher, writer, healer and coach. His collection of poems, The Singing Hollow, was published in 2021 and previous to that, he has had two collections of haiku published. Thames Way in 2015 and 1000 Sparks in 2018, all published by Alba Publishing. You might recognise his work from places like The Stinging Fly, Sheafers, Impossible Archetype, Boyne Berries and even The Waxed Lemon. In 2018, he won the Individual Artist Bursary from the South Dublin County Council, took third place in the South Dublin Libraries competition in 2021 and that same year he won a Words Ireland Mentoring Bursary. So it's with enormous pleasure that I welcome for the first time to eat the storms, but hopefully not the last, Dermot Fitzgerald. Hi, my name is Dermot Fitzgerald. I'm a poet, haikuist, short story writer and novelist. And today I'm going to read some poems from my collection of poetry called The Singing Hollow. This is my third book, but it's my first book of regular poetry. I had published two books of haiku previously and the singing hollow is published by Alba Publishing. The first poem I'm going to read is called A Different Door and it's uh, about my grandfather 
Daniel Crowley. The shed smelled of paint and dust as I pushed open the old cracking door. My granddad stooped over the table, absorbed in his work. I knew to stay silent, entranced by his moving arms and jerking legs. I was in awe at the strange things he kept, tools whose purposes I could not guess. His knobbly hands with reddened thumbs would fashion the leg of a chair from a plank of wood, repair fishing tackle, or mend the bow of a broken boat. He sang songs in a worn-out tune. The shed door is new. Oilskins are gone. Coils rust. The fishing tackle has not been moved for years and the place is clean. Light shimmers into all the corners as shadows are banished and the walls are cold. No breath heats the windowpane. The place empty of his touch and craft. <laughs> The next poem I'm going to read is called The Red Lion Tram. On the way home, a father and his little girl stand. He has just enough room to kneel down to take out from their buggy a tray of sushi and turn round to her. He opens it and picks out one roll with green seaweed, rice and pink ginger. He places it delicately into her mouth. She eats it without a slurp. The slow ceremony keeps going, despite the juddering of the tram and the passengers slipping out. He takes out a bottle of water and lets its coolness flow down her throat. The water sloshes up the bottle. Then he wipes her lips with his finger. The tram picks up speed and the buggy moves untethered, bumps into various obstacles and rolls further out of reach. The next poem I'm going to read is called Aftermath, and not all relationships, of course, are positive. Some are or can be quite negative. Aftermath. They knife their food in unison, scrape their plates. She clears her throat and asks for the salt. A hard word from him falls onto the table. He marches out around the garden, pulls leaves off the shrubs, tests the hose, checks the lawnmower. She pokes the fire, feeds kindling to the flames, runs her finger down the tongs, tensions held in the clasped claws. The next poem I'm going to read was a poem I wrote during COVID and the first wave of a lockdown for me was actually quite a positive experience and this is reflected in this poem. Bottle Bank Therapy On the first day of ease from the lockdown, I bring a box full of bottles, green, brown, clear and blue. They shine in the sun, glass shards litter the ground. I pick my way carefully to the bank and select a bottle. The neck is smooth. I lob it down the hole, listen to the cacophony of the breaking, a joyous crashing sound. The way glass clings through glass makes the sound of rain. It is heaven to me as I let go and keep letting go and think, how will we gather our smashed selves into a new hole? The 
The next poem I'm going to read is from a sequence called Camino Cantos, and I walked the Camino in Spain in 2016, all 800 kilometres of it, and I wrote this poem called Forest Hike, based on my experience. Forest Hike The sky is a black skin stretched over the forest. I walk over the gravel with a tart clicking sound, smell the eucalyptus trees. The wind blows cold. A jackdaw voice in my head repeats the same old fears that I am alone and always will be. I come across a pile of stones, shaped like a heart with the words, I love you, keep going, one Camino, take one step at a time. I place my hand in my heart. The unnameable flame ushers through my body, and this keeps me going over the mucky path. The forest is still dark and soon the gaps thin the trees out, a step onto a bright, open field. The last poem I'm going to read is the title poem from the collection, and it's a fairly self-explanatory poem. The Singing Hollow Deep in the bowels of Dublin, there is St. Alden's Park. In the middle is a singing hollow, a slab of rock, upright, grey, with a hole carved into it. You are invited to place your head inside, clear your throat, purse your lips and hum, until all your organs are in tune, and the pulse matches the stone. Waves spread out and meet the road, blackbirds, apartments, all vibrate in concert, beyond what the ears and eyes can tell, but the heart knows. And my name is Dermot Fitzgerald and I write poetry. I also teach creative writing classes and you can check these out on www.writeasif.com and I also have a website where I put up my own personal writing. It's called www.dwriter.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well under the name dwriters on Instagram and Dermot Fitzgerald on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Now we are taking flight again and this time settling down in the United States for the author of five collections of poetry, including Waiting to be Born from Dos Modernis Press. Her poetry has appeared in places like Cranogue, The Blue Nib, Scientific America, Soul Lit, Sweet and Terrain, among others. She has thought various poetry workshops, been on the panel of the Massachusetts Poetry Festival and the Amherst Poetry Festival, and is the managing editor of Slate Roof Press, a publisher of art quality poetry chapbooks. In 2023, Salmon Poetry will publish her full collection, State of Grass, but today, joining us on the storms for the first time to share poems about the storms, this is the brilliant Janet McFadden. Hi, I'm Janet McFadden, and I'm delighted to be here on Eat the Storm. When I saw the name of the podcast, I immediately was attracted because my most recent full-length collection came out of a terrible storm here in Massachusetts. A lot of my poems come out of travel, 
And that can be in, in the sense of actual travel or the travel you do in dreams, the journey that our lives are. All of this comes into play when I write and I still don't know what the destination is or who I am or where I am going in a deep sense. So I'm going to be reading from Waiting to be Born, published by Dos Madres Press, which came out of a Dune Shack residency that coincided with a storm on Halloween, October 31st, 2011, that was just short of a hurricane here on the Atlantic Ocean. My husband and I had been driven in with a week's worth of supplies and water, no electricity, no phone, and when the storm hit, the sand was flying sideways. The wind blew open a window and the stovepipe on the wood stove started to screech and howl. We really thought we might not make it out alive. So that was what was going on when I started these poems. We can't go out. The wind is fierce. The grass blade draws its circle in the sand. The sleeper's face against the glass. The fire is on. The stove is out. We dance with arms around each other, spinning dervishes. The stovepipe blasts. It is a whistle, and the whistler is the wind, the earth, a single shaking room. Why are we quarreling over which logs to burn? Burn all these words. They're cluttering my good mind. All those emails waiting for me at home. There's a lifetime of reading right here. You start with me. I'll start with you. This next poem references Harvey Kemp, who was who is known as the poet of the dunes, and his shack was quite close to ours. He's, yeah. Driftwood wedges shut the neighbor's shack. It's just what the man said. There's nothing of value inside. Just a bed, kerosene lamp, old table, and solitude. Tiny, tiny footprints dent the sand like ties of miniature train tracks laid down across the desert. Run quickly, little sweethearts. Coyotes are everywhere. What time? Still morning, I think. I saw a mouse or a vole near the bleached white sign on the rise that says, help save this hill, keep out, and I will. Don't tell me about love. These walls are high, the windows boarded up with ribs. Don't knock on the door or come around back. My weeping has nothing to do with you. All is still. The gray branches of a bush are still. A droning rises and falls. The air moves gently. There was a mouse and now there is no mouse. The outhouse vent is spinning round. Sand moves, the ocean moves. The shack breathes more deeply. The mice make a house in the toilet paper roll. The life of the world goes on. I could just live like this. Um, Pilgrim Mon Monument is referenced in this next poem, which in Provincetown, which is where I was, you can see this monument for miles. You can orient yourself by it. The wind cries around the eaves, around the vent pipe, around the stove. Little lost wind, let me in, let me in. 
pounding on the window frames, kicking at the door. Gulls drop suicidally into the waves. I can't tell the whitecaps from the gulls, my thoughts from the serve. Just as I was thinking, don't see any seals. Two surfaced in front of me, watching. A crow, a crow, a crow. What business does a crow have with the sea? I have my notebook and my tea. Down in the dune shack, you are dreaming. The world is flying away. Pilgrim Monument holds court over the horizon. I'm reading Daniel Berrigan's trial for burning draft papers, and I have to ask what I have done in my life that is right or good. Sleep soundly now. I promise you in the morning, someone will bang at the door with a fistful of poems. Receive them like a gust of seagulls, like blowing sand. On the clothesline, my turtleneck flings one arm around itself. Janet, why don't you embrace yourself? We're all just empty wind. You, me, and this shirt flapping out of its mind, madly in love with itself. During this period of time, my father was starting to fail, and that was certainly part of um, what I was going through when I was writing these poems. My father has become weak as a child, his body shriveled up, all that sturm and maelstrom gone, all that fury come to nothing. The gods stir up the ocean, but the ocean doesn't mind. The crabs on the bottom go flying, little claws and legs snapping. I was watching, sand swirled up that once lay flat. It swirled because it had to, but in the, in the end it also lay down quietly and went to bed. The lights were still on downstairs and my parents were talking. It didn't matter what they said, I was safe up there in the dark under the covers. The storm raged on. In a dream, my father's head gazed out from a wall. It was part of a broken statue. King of kings, look on my works and despair. I look and the rains keep coming. In all those years, there was nothing I could do to make you call or come back home or glance my way. The book goes from the dunes of Provincetown in Massachusetts uh, to a number of different locations in the United States, but I'm going to finish with one more poem from the Dune Shack section. Open dunes are as lovely as open meadow. There is a wildness to them, a shifting gaze, while all the world tracks through. The world tracks through, though we have thrown away our money and our words, the wildness in us and shifting sand. A shifting path, the way in is shorter than I thought and longer than you did. Though we've been here before, we could lose our way. We could lose ourselves, fall down again dreaming in heavy sand while sightseers pass by without knowing the way. Without knowing the way, we've come home again, walked around back, found the latch to the gate, swung, 
the door open. Thanks so much. Okay, it is already time for my final guest. And for that final guest, we are in for yet another treat today from a poet who grew up in Lismore in County Waterford here in Ireland and graduated in 2019 with an MA in Creative Writing from University College Cork. She has already had poetry appearing in Poetry Review, Poetry Ireland Review, Banshee, The Irish Times and The Stinging Fly, to name but a few and she's just getting started. She runs an online international poetry event called Just To Say, sponsored by Jackar Press. In 2021, she was chosen as part of Poetry Ireland's introduction series and awarded an Arts Council Literature Bursary. Today, she is going to be reading poems from her debut collection, Raised Among Vultures, published by the Gallery Press earlier this year. And I have to say, I was so pleased that I got to hear her reading from this in person at the Bray Literary Festival just last month, along with the poetry powerhouses that are Victoria Kennefick and Luke Morgan, where the three of them left us seduced, speechless and in need of a drink. My final guest on the podcast today comes with poetic genius stylings. This is Molly Twomey. Hello. My name is Molly Toomey and I am going to share three poems with you today from my debut collection Raised Among Vultures which was published by the Gallery Press in 2022. Um, I'm really really happy to be on the podcast today. A huge thanks to Damien for asking me and for being you know such a powerhouse of poetry um, in Ireland today. So the first poem I am going to read is called I Did Not Eat For Three Weeks um, and it's about an eating disorder which I was diagnosed with in 2015. I did not eat for three weeks because rent was due and the price of bread went up five cent because Graylin distracted me from you because two years ago, over 100,000 starved in Yemen, but famine means 1847. Because a baby seagull died on my roof. Because antidepressants cause weight gain. Because I failed my driving test and wanted to achieve something. Because you asked if I hated my stomach so much, why did I wear tight shirts? Because sometimes my gag reflex didn't work. Because even the driving instructor stood me up. Because a woman pushed a buggy 10 kilometres to cork penny dinners. Because I didn't want children but needed a physical reason. Because when I was eating a cracker you joked I was storing for winter. Because bones become language and my tongue was hole punched. Because you got a tattoo saying may the bridges I burn light the way and I was the bridge. Because I was not old enough to vote but wanted change. Um, thank you for listening to that poem. So 
Um, the, the next poem is the very first poem in the collection um, and it's called Risk and it's kind of about being in residential treatment. So I was in treatment for about 16 weeks um, and a lot of the time with eating disorders you're kind of putting a lot of people who have eating disorders together um, <laughs> which you know often might not be the most um, productive thing if people are struggling and they're kind of sharing things with each other and they're triggering each other and they're getting up to all sorts of development um, so also when I was in treatment I became very obsessed with amusement parks and I really wanted to go to all these amusement parks and the first thing I wanted to do when I um, was going to leave was take my brother to Tato Park um, but obviously I didn't I didn't realize that I was um, too sick to do that so this is called Risk All I want is to be shot into the air by a starship thrown far from waiting rooms gurneys and supervised toilet trips a pill punched from its dispenser. I get it, she says. Interrupting my list of amusement parks I'll visit when I'm discharged. She drags her scarlet nail along her sternum. Says I love the thrill that a belt might loosen, a spring could snap. She shows me how to hide supplements in a cactus pot. To raid the contraband cabinet when the nurse who falls asleep is on. Can you feel it, she asks, placing my palm on her chest, hers on mine. The bumper cars of our hearts stutter and jolt. There's just, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but there's a big truck passing outside. Um... <laughs> sorry about that uh, so the last poem I'm going to read is called All the Things I Want to Do and it's towards the end of my collection um, and I suppose it's kind of about my life at the moment and coming out of an eating disorder and still struggling a bit but just kind of being, I suppose, amazed at, at how life is now and how rich it is now and how much there's there is still that I can do and that I want to do. So it's called All the Things I Want to Do. I wake at six to sprint laps of the marina so I can eat the rye toast you will grill for me later. You hear me tighten my ponytail, not the lace of my shorts. My muscles tensed, facing away from yours. You remind me of all the things I want to do. Parachute in Vancouver, find the ring in a barren brack. You laugh, say even though you hate dried fruit. You plan a marathon of movies. Sister act, the Rograts, a Sunday drive to La Cain. You suggest that some morning we'll bake scones or soda bread. I reply that I want real pancakes and my hand goes to my lips to stuff back the words. I never thought I would get to this stage. Sitting on the corner of your bed, unclipping my sports bra, slipping off my ankle weights. 
um, thank you so so much for spending this time with me today um, and I suppose if you're listening you also love poetry and that's great and I hope that you keep writing or reading or doing whatever it is uh, that brings you joy thank you today thank you <laughs> thank you Now, thank you so much, Molly, and to all of my guests, a huge thank you. Just before we finish, though, as is customary, I'm going to leave you with one of my own poems. And today I thought I would pick a poem that recently appeared in Chasing Shadows, a miscellany of poetry which was published by Lapwing Press in association with Creative Ireland. Last week, Daniel Hines was on the show on the first episode of season six, and he also appeared in this anthology. And my first guest today, Jamie O'Halloran, also appears in this. So it seems fitting to read a poem from this superb anthology that also has quite a number of previous Eat the Storm guests. So it is an honour to share the pages with them all. This poem was inspired by my return to Ireland after being away for 23 years. Coming back as an only child, an only adopted child, now grown up, living in the house of my grandparents, my adopted grandparents, and finally looking at roots, belongings, and I suppose ghosts. This is called To Find Out What Lies Beyond the Scent of Lavender. Between my fingers I twirl calyx from whirl. And nostrils twitch at the memory of a scent that isn't mine. Chimes ring crossed legs in the midst of a Buddhist chant. In a white room bearing no evidence of a door or the need for any exit. I was not born to the elixir of any lavender. I was the oil to its water, running early over its ease. Shown the door before I was able to identify the concept of all a room could hold. This isn't me. This scent now staining the epidermis. Tracing oils over prints, telling of individuality while I struggle to connect muscle, memory, and even attachment. Between fingers, the body tells me are mine. In a garden, I've trimmed back into a shape resembling familiarity without the root of any original hold. I twirl the calyx of lavender and scent explodes against the skin. I'm still trying to get beneath.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, we've reached the end of another episode of Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today, tomorrow, next week, or possibly even next year, or whenever it is you have decided to tune in on your preferred podcast platform, which possibly are Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox, Podcast Addicts, or iTunes. My name has been Damien B. Donnelly. I've been your host and producer today. And a huge thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in and keeping us going. And enormous thanks to my fan-bloody-tastic guests today on the show who have been Molly Twomey, Janet McFadden, Darmad Fitzgerald, Jerry Stewart and Jamie O'Halloran. For details, as always, on all of my guests, head on over to the website www.eatthestorms.com. Click on the podcast section and there you will find a blog post for every episode with details of my guests' bios, social media handles and perhaps even where to buy their collections. This was episode two, season six. Now, if you fancy being a guest, we still have some places left on this new season. So drop me an email to eatthestorms at yahoo.com and I will give you all the details. Otherwise, you can find out how to be a stormer over at our website. Over at The Storms, our new journal of poetry, prose and visual arts, the shortlist has been made and Eileen Dupuere, my sub-editor and myself, are now going through them to narrow it down to the successful contributors who will be a part of issue two coming out at the end of this year. And in order to take time and help me whittle through the sensational submissions and to do my own writing, I will be heading off this Monday to the Tyrone Guthrie Retreat in County Monaghan and I cannot wait. This is my second time to visit there. I was there last November and it's now becoming an annual treat. So next week's episode will be coming from the Tyrone Guthrie Centre where I will have another five fantastic guests to join me on the show. So until then, take care of yourselves, wrap up warm, get the winter woolies out, the long johns, the pyjamas, light the fire, toast the marshmallows and in between, as always, of course, stay 